Welcome to the Love on the Go podcast, brought to you by Carolina's Matchmaker. I'm Laurie Burzak, and for over 17 years, I've been helping singles find the relationship of their dreams all over the Carolinas. Along the journey, I've met so many amazing professionals and experts from various fields, and I'm excited to introduce them to you. What's my goal? I want to help you look at love and relationships in a new way and to grow in your understanding of how love works. Let's learn together how people have overcome personal obstacles and have found love first and foremost with themselves. The ultimate goal is realizing that you are worthy and deserving of love. Let's get started. Today I'm chatting with Sarah Crossland. She knows Charlotte as she's been covering the region for more than a decade, focusing especially on the city's dining scene and its history. Sarah is the author of 100 Things to Do in Charlotte Before You Die, as well as Secret Charlotte, a guide to the weird, wonderful, and obscure. Sarah currently works for Compass Group while continuing to write for local publications, often featuring the best spots to travel to from Charlotte. I'm excited about talking to Sarah today about things to do in Charlotte, things that she's experienced with dating in general, as well as realizing her dreams, not waiting on a relationship to be happy or to buy a home or to travel the world or to enjoy beautiful restaurants. She has really taken life by storm, has wonderful friends, has a glowing outlook and has been extremely successful in both her business as well as her personal life. And I really admire Sarah so much. I love what she's up to and the way that she looks at this world. Well, Sarah Crossland, you have owned who you are. You're, you're a successful woman. You've written books. You're, you have a big job with Compass Group. You're, you're, gorgeous. You travel the world. You, you're a foodie. You were just featured in Axios Charlotte magazine that you have this new bungalow in like Wiley. And, um, it is, I mean, you're, you're very accomplished and a very interesting dynamic woman. Well, thanks um, for making me blush here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, and so like, I want to bring some, like, I was thinking what would be good for our audience is like to bring some inspiration to, because you're, I don't know how old you are, 30. I'm I'm 40. I turned 40 a couple of months ago. So happy birthday. Yeah, thanks. I love that. And you're never like, to me, you've never struck me as a person like on a timetable, like I need to have this by this age or like, you know, I, I need to wait for a partner to buy a beautiful home. Like. Tell, and you you've done a lot of solo traveling yeah like I want to yeah. like talk about that like what inspires you some people like put their and I encourage people not to do this but I feel like sometimes people put everything on hold because yeah. they're waiting for a partner to decorate their home or to yeah. buy a home or to go on a trip and as a result they miss a lot in life you yeah. know even having children sometimes people wait to have children and never have a baby because they waited for a partner instead of just doing it and then finding the partner later which i've talked about on other podcasts before so like tell tell me like give me your background in terms of like what inspired you yeah no well first of all i appreciate that you that you think of me that way and i think mm-hmm. that 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 really is kind of the way i've always thought about things um you know for me if I have any anecdote on it, it's when I was in my early 20s, I was uh, dating a guy. We'd been dating for a couple of years. I thought we were for sure going to get married. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, I was about to move to Atlanta. And I was moving to this house that had a dining room. And I was like, well, I'm not going to buy a dining room table because he has a really nice dining room table and we'll just mm-hmm. have that. Mm-hmm. And then I moved into the house and like 
I don't know, a week later we broke up and I was like, I'm going to go buy a dining room table. And granted at the time I had no money. I went to Ikea and bought a table that I painted myself, but it was like kind of for me, this moment of like, I'm never going to wait again. Like I'm never going to have an empty dining room again. I'm always Mm going to do the things that I want to do. And so um, I'm kind of lucky in the sense that I am still unmarried at 40, that I went ahead and did that because otherwise I would have felt like what have I been doing for the last 15 to 20 years of my life. Um, And instead, I mean, I think, I I mean, I feel like I've had an extremely full life. I feel like Mm -hmm. I've um, been able to have a lot of great experiences and I've never felt like I'm going to wait until someone else is there for me to do something because I mean, why would you? There's too much to do out there, right? Exactly. And you've traveled. Tell us about your traveling. And I know you've done a lot of blog posts on that and check out her website. I'll put everything in the show notes about all your traveling. It looks gorgeous (laughs) where you have been Mm -hmm. and inspiring. Yeah, that is for sure a passion of mine. I think Mm -hmm. Um, it is. I mean, there's nothing I love more than traveling. I love being in a new place, meeting new people. And um, I've been lucky because I've had a lot of great friends who love traveling too. And Mm -hmm. so I'm constantly trying to talk them into the next trip all the time. Um, Right. And yeah, I mean, it's been, it's also been great because I've been able to kind of roll some of my professional life into that. Um, When I was working in publications, I did a lot of travel writing. I still do a little bit of travel writing on the side. Mm -hmm. Um, And even in my current job, um, when I travel for work, a lot of times I'll try to tag on a weekend here or there, an extra Mm -hmm. night somewhere just just to get a chance to see places. And so... Um, yeah, I've never, you know, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, I got to hit all 50 states or I'm trying to visit, you know, mark these places off my bucket list. It's just Mm -hmm. a constant like, hey, did you hear about this cool island in Mexico that you've never been to before? Let's go try that out. And so um, I've, I've definitely had the opportunity to go to some pretty amazing places. I feel really lucky. Where is your favorite place that you have been? So hard. Um, I would put it between two places. Mm -hmm. I think um, I love Belize. I Mm -hmm. have been there a couple of different times. Um, I love the inland part. um, And I love like out in the islands, like in the Keys there. Um, I mean, it's hard not to love a place that's in the Caribbean and is beautiful and beachy. But I also just think it's like the culture there, like the people there couldn't be nicer. I really Mm -hmm. like that. Almost everybody there speaks English because I'm terrible at languages, so I can appreciate that. Um, And I like it too, because I've found, I love to go to places, I love to go to places where there's not a lot of Americans, and Mm -hmm. I love to go to places where um, there's a lot of backpackers, uh, Mm -hmm. because to me, that culture just like fits with the way I like to travel, which is kind of this laid back. Let's just check this out. We're not going to get on a tour bus necessarily. We're just going to have a good time here. And so, so I think Belize and then probably the most like exotic place. And I say exotic just because it's a really long flight, basically, that I have gone twice now and definitely want to go back is Vietnam. I just, to me, Mm. the country is just such a cool, cool, cool place to visit. Again, amazing culture, amazing food. Um, there's so much to explore there because there's so many different parts of the country that, um, yeah, like I said, I want to go back. I've done both South and North mm-hmm. parts of the country and a little mm-hmm. bit in the middle, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's okay. like I said, so much to explore. So there. much that sounds lovely. Yeah. And then you wrote a, you've written a couple books actually about Charlotte, the restaurant scene in Charlotte, which 
as we were talking uh, before the podcast started, how it's even out of date because we have new restaurants and a lot of left during the pandemic, unfortunately. Yeah. So um, are you just every weekend checking out new restaurants? What What's your favorite like local, tell us two of your favorite restaurants in, in Charlotte that you recommend to people. Yeah. I mean, I love checking out new restaurants in Charlotte. I feel like I can't keep up at this point. There's so yeah. many, um, you know, so I sort of have my like old go-tos that I, that I still, I mean, I will forever love Soul Gastro Lounge. I hope that restaurant, mm. if that restaurant leaves, I will cry. Um, but, <laughs> and um, and I love like Dilworth Tasting Room, like some of the ones that have been around for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think as far as newer restaurants, um, Supperland is up there. I think that's mm-hmm. such a cool space. I love that little like bar space that they have off to the side there. Um, I mean, Mizu, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right, Mizu, that's um, the rooftop restaurant in South Park that's the Asian restaurant. I am obsessed with their food. I think it's so good. Um, I uh, Mariposa that's in the Mint Museum, I think is fun. I could go on mm-hmm. and on. I could, I could talk about restaurants for a long time. We would never, this yeah. podcast would never. <laughs> <laughs> Our, well, let's face it. The Charlotte food scene has improved dramatically in the last it, three years. It's amazing. Yes. When I think about when I first, when I was working at Charlotte Magazine and interviewing mm-hmm. you at mm-hmm. the time, I was their dining editor. And when I think of the difference, I mean, it was like we barely even had Yelp at that point. Like, there that's was, right. You know, so it was a completely different scene. It's amazing. Agreed. Let's switch gears because let's talk about how different the scene is in terms of how to meet people. And I know you're dating someone. We'll get to that in a minute. But when I first met you, I mean, dating apps were really not that popular. People didn't even admit that they met people online at that point. And now the culture has changed so dramatically. So talk about dating before the apps came along. And then when, you know, before, you know, you landed with your guy now, (laughs) you know, how, what the difference is in terms of the culture of communication, in terms of meeting people. Did you think it was better the way it was before? Like, let's just talk about that. You know, that's a good question as far as if it was better or not. I mean, I think I hear a lot of people say, oh, dating's so terrible now because the apps make it so terrible because everybody just flips through and picks the person, you know, and it's mm-hmm. so appearance-based or that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, maybe I'm just an eternal optimist. I've never <laughs> had an issue with feeling like, oh, it's just, it's so bad. I think that mm-hmm. um, it is different for sure. I mean, it was, you know, if dating I think in Charlotte in my like late 20s early 30s was about Mm -hmm. like friend of a friend who was connected with me or Mm -hmm. um, meeting someone out you know at an event or something like that like that Mm -hmm. was that was how I ended up meeting people that I was dating at that time Um, and then for sure in the last I don't even know what has it been like seven eight years it's become Mm -hmm. so much more everybody and I've been to so many weddings at this point that are hinge weddings or even weddings there for a while oh yeah for sure it's like that just seems to be the way it is now um Mm -hmm. so yeah I definitely played around on the dating apps myself Mm -hmm. um and Sometimes I I say that I have this thing with the dating apps where it would be like, I would do it for like a couple of weeks. And then I was like, I can't do this anymore. Right. Get a couple of dates out of it. Yep. Either one of those dates would end up in a couple of months of like seeing somebody or I would just be like, I can't do it anymore. I'm I'm taking a break for a minute, you know? Um, Yeah. So I think you kind of have to do it in small doses. My friends that like are on it consistently for a long time, I think that it can 
it can get a little depressing because you're like, I'm not making that progress. And so that's just never, everybody has to do it their own way, but that's kind of been my way of doing it. It's so interesting because, you know, I, I help people with online dating. I don't know if you know that or not. And I do, I have like a three month program that I have, and I don't even have, I used to have smaller programs and whatnot, and I'll just set you up. But I found that, that my clients weren't being as successful with that. And I only want to offer programs that I'm completely successful with. So we like set them up with great photography. We help them with their profile. We like them to take a stab at it. So it sounds like them and then we'll help sort of tweak it. We'll, um, we style them for the photo shoot. The stylist goes to the photo shoot. So it's like very comprehensive. Then we get them on match.com and then we're in there scouting, finding five prospects a week that we think would be good matches for them. All the while they're getting all the inbox messaging and people liking them. And then I'm on a zoom call with them or one of my staffers is, and we're going through everything with them. And then we're running background checks when we can and that, that type of thing. So it's like really comprehensive. And what I've heard people say is that if I wasn't working with them, that they would have quit a long time ago. And really what I've noticed is that most of the time it takes about two and a half months before somebody is successful with online dating. And I think people abort before they get to the success. That's very interesting. I could totally Mm -hmm. see that. And I could totally see how having someone like you sitting there and kind of pushing and doing that other stuff, because it does, it also gets so time consuming. I mean, like you don't even want to, you're like, I, I will take, seven days to look at it. And I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I wasn't ignoring this message, but like right. there's a, a lot of other apps on my phone. That's know? right. <laughs> and someone recently described it as flat time with dating apps. Like, don't even like worry if somebody doesn't get back to you because um, it was actually Matchmaker Maria, one of my colleagues who said that you need to um, just know that somebody might be dating somebody else or whatever, maybe they're busy. So don't like don't think it's an insult if they don't get right back to you. However, um, you know, that being said, I always suggest that people get on once in the morning, once at night and try to keep the momentum going because it can be um, at the very beginning, very exciting. And if you really drop the ball, then people don't, you know, they, their spirits that were lifted deflate. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, you know, it's like, you need to keep up with it. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. no, that completely, I think that's a great way to do it, just to have that consistency. It is hard. I do think that's one of the biggest differences between dating with the apps versus dating, I don't know, like I said, seven or eight years ago, mm-hmm. is that when you would meet somebody through a friend of a friend, you knew their situation. You knew, that's like, right. are they dating other people? What's mm-hmm. the story here? And that kind of thing. And with dating apps, you have to assume they're dating other people. You have oh, yeah. to assume they've, they're, you know, you don't know how long or what the situation is or whatever that is. And so mm-hmm. it's hard not to like try to think, oh, they're the same as me, but like, mm-hmm. that's not the way it is, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's right. Interesting. And it's hard. It's like, I've, I've had, um, clients say that they went on a great date and then they went home and checked their, their match inbox. Maybe they want to look at his picture again or whatever. And they saw, he was like online now and he's yep. you know just like you are, yep. but it's, they're like, Oh, I guess they weren't really that as interested in me. And yeah. um, so it can be, and yeah, a mind twist for sure. Yeah. And yeah. that's why it's, it's like, you need to be so emotionally stable, I think before you get online date. And well, just like with anything with dating, because you're going to attract in what you are. Yeah. Um, but, um, and I always encourage people to have that conversation before they get too, you know, invested in the relationship physically and emotionally mm-hmm. to have that conversation of, you know, are we monogamous now? And are we both getting off all of our online dating sites and really trying to give this a chance? 
Yeah. And I feel like um, people are sometimes afraid to have those conversations because they feel like if they bring it up, they're going to look desperate or needy. But I don't think that's the case. I think it's saying, let's give this a shot. You know, this was a platform for us to meet each other. We don't need to be dating like a thousand people to to find our our final match. Right. I love that. I think that's such Mm -hmm. a good, I do think just the open communication. I think most of the time people really appreciate that. You know, you're not going to meet too many. I mean, and my feeling too, is if you bring that up and that scares them off, then that's probably not the person anyway. That's exactly 100% right. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, Okay. I wanted to ask you, um, going back to you, um, you're dating someone now. How did you meet him? So we, we're still, this is still early stages for yeah. us, but we've been dating. Um, we actually met uh, on Hinge. So okay. yeah, did the whole dating app thing. And and it was okay. funny. This was a situation where I had not been on a dating app and I don't even know, at least six months, probably longer mm-hmm. than that. And um, I was like, all right, I, I need to do this. I'm just going to suck it up and make this work and do it and um then I think I was on there for like six days when he messaged me so that was a nice a nice surprise because I can you know I can say that that is not always the case but yeah it it worked out really well and then you went on a couple dates at what point I had like this um I've noticed anecdotally that when people go on five dates Mm -hmm. it normally turns into a relationship of six months or more that's what I've observed as a matchmaker that's so at, do you have any idea how many dates you went on before you were like, yep, this, this one could work? That's interesting. Um, it's funny. I haven't had this conversation with him, so I'm going to have to probably do that before I let him see this podcast. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we won't be releasing until June, so end of June, July. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say that with him... I, it was like a very fast for me on my side of like, okay, yeah, this guy is somebody that I could be really interested in. Um, I, you know, I think probably after our second date, I was like, yeah, this, this is going to go somewhere. Um, I think I, and it's funny you say that because I've definitely, I've been in relationships where I have a relationship in my head that was Mm -hmm. a pretty fierce relationship that it was date five before I was like, okay, yeah. And that was, that was one that, that lasted for a while, Mm -hmm. but, um, but with him, it was faster than that. And so I don't even know by, by date five, I was like a hundred percent. So yeah, but it, it was just, I mean, he, you know, there's just some people that you connect with really quickly and like he and I, I mean, we only chatted very briefly on the app and then he said, can I call you? Mm-hmm. And so we set up a call the next day. And by the time I got off that phone call, I was like, unless he arrives and looks hideous, like, right. then, then I think we're probably, this is going to happen. You could literally hear the chemistry on the phone. Yeah. The yeah. way he communicated with you was exactly yeah. what you were looking for. Yeah. I love that. It resonated. Yeah. I love that. And you've dated a lot. So I do feel like sometimes you do just know. Yeah, I do. Well, and I think like, you know, there's, um, yeah, at my age and Mm -hmm. having, like you said, dated a fair amount, Mm -hmm. I think I kind I know what I'm looking for. I know what, what appeals to me. And, Mm -hmm. and I also just think, like you said, there's just, there's a little bit of chemistry there. You know, there's, for me, if somebody can, can truly make me laugh, that's where it's probably going to work out. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. You've got literally the best sense of humor. I love it. And you're all what you're out and about. Do you feel like you're doing a lot of things now out and about now, or 
is it sort of a little bit slower or is it full of throttle? Yeah, I mean, I, gosh, I feel like it's full throttle again. Yeah. I feel like it is. Um, I mean, for me, this time of year in the summer, I, I feel like I'm, I'm traveling all the time. So, mm -hmm. um, which is fun. That's good. But, um, yes. but yeah, I do feel like, you know, the world's world's open back up and it yep. is not slowing down at all. Sometimes I miss the days of being like, I, you're forced to stay in your house a little bit. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate to go back to that for a minute sometimes. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's busy. I love that. Um, okay. What, what do you have in terms of new projects and like, what, like, what are the next five years look like for you, Sarah? Like, where, do you have like an idea of sort of where you want to go? And I know you've got a great job, but, but that you also fill up your personal life a lot. Like what are some of, some of your, your goals at this point, bucket list items? Whew, that's a big question. Yeah. Um, I wish you could tell me what my next five years is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think um, a couple of things for me. I mean, one, I... Um, I have, I do still do a little bit of freelance writing on the side, and I think I probably want to do a little bit more of that. Um, I, that's just, to me, is something that is my passion and I love doing. And so I think I've kind of, with my, with my day job, which is at Compass Group, I have mm -hmm. sort of rolled that back just a little bit, but I think I probably am ready to get a little bit more back into it. Um, okay. And then I think for me, so, you know, you mentioned that I have moved into this home that's over on Lake Wiley and it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's in Belmont, uh, the, the town, not the neighborhood. So I really cute. Yeah, it's such a cute mm -hmm. little town. Um, and in my head, I, I think because my, my job previously was always in um, like covering local places. And so mm -hmm. for me, I've always been really passionate about being very involved in the place where I am. And mm -hmm. so while I still very much feel involved in Charlotte, I really want to get more involved in Belmont. And mm -hmm. so I don't know exactly what that looks like, like joining different organizations and mm -hmm. um, sort of making those connections over there. I don't think I realized when I moved there that it was going to feel quite as separate from Charlotte, but in a lot of ways it does. And I think it's such a cool, dynamic, growing town that I wanna I want to get involved there. I love it there. I went there and I ate at this really cool restaurant that was it like the Jonas Brothers? Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't even know, is it still, yeah. is it still there? Still there, yeah, yeah. Oh. What's it called again? It's called Nellie's Southern Kitchen. It's oh named God. after their grandmother, Nellie. So good. And yeah, the food was delicious. Like yeah, they've like, got like fried green tomatoes and oh, stuff yeah, like that on the, yeah. on the menu. And it's like this one little, it kind of reminds me of like Gilmore Girls Town. Yes. It's just like, it's yes. like that little small town that everybody wants to live in yeah. near, near a bigger city kind of feeling, but you sure. get that quiet feeling kind of like a Davidson almost, but, yeah, um, but, but right. Sort of. And yeah. um, very dynamic town. And then the Daniel Stowe Botanical Gardens is not far from there. So I know that that's what we did. We ate there. And then we went to Daniel Stowe for um, like a holiday, some, something or other, some kind of special event that they had over there. Something, Probably yeah. something like yeah. that. And that was like really fun. Like I really felt like I was making the most out of my life that night. I remember yeah. feeling that way. Like, okay, this is good. Like definitely <laughs> check, 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 yeah. you know, feels good. Yeah. Um, and um, they probably have some new places that have opened there since then. It's been a couple of years since I did that. I'm, just, I'm assuming. Yeah, no, it's it's growing really fast and there's mm -hmm. lots of like cool 
breweries and wine shops and coffee shops and bakeries. And it's great. It's, it's just really neat. And it's so funny because I compare it all the time to Stars Hollow, the place in Gilmore. Yes. I'm like, this is totally what this is. Like this, it feels, it doesn't feel real sometimes. I'm like, I saw something a couple of weeks ago where the police department posted on Instagram that there was a new goose family that was crossing (laughs) a certain intersection. And they were like, please be careful of the mother and her goslings. And I was like, what town is this? very different from my life in Plaza Midwood. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. And that was probably a very dynamic life living in Plaza Midwood. It was, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I love that. Um, So yeah, so you're living a new lifestyle. Maybe you'll run for county commissioner or something. I mean, that would be cool. (laughs) Let's make it, let's make it up for Sarah, you know? (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) I love that. Well, you know, part of what I have done and focused on in the last um, seven years or so is philanthropy dating. So what I always ask some of my, uh, my podcast um, guests is, do they have a favorite charity? And if so, we can put it in the show notes and kind of why, why do you connect with that charity? Yeah, no, that's like, I love that question. I think that Charlotte has several that great organizations that work with uh, immigrants and refugees. And um, the one that's really close to my heart is Refugee Support Services, which um, is a an organization that basically um, helps refugees once they are in the United States um, and it kind of helps more with, it's not necessarily, you know, providing them financial support, but it's more just providing them guidance in a brand new country and providing them people that they can go to and a place for community and that kind of thing. Um, And I just think they do an amazing job. Um, I love refugee support services. And then um, another organization that I have uh, been working with a lot recently is called Bethany. And um, Bethany does mostly like foster and adoptive care and that kind of thing. But right now they um, have a program where they um, are creating foster families for unaccompanied minors coming across our southern border and um, giving them a temporary home in the United States so that they're not in a detention center. And so Mm. they are in a home with a family um, before they are reunited with their family or guardian here in the United Mm. States. And I just think it's a really um cool and different thing that they're doing it's a little bit under the radar and so that those two are my favorites right now i love that what what got you interested in in that field immigration and yeah i mean it's funny i feel like i the um the immigration and the refugee side i Mm -hmm. really was interested in long before it became anything remotely controversial like it's kind of crazy to me that that is a controversial thing at this point but um I, I guess in like 2008, maybe, um, I had been traveling a lot internationally and mm-hmm. was traveling in places where then a lot of time, like places like Vietnam, for instance, um, that then we have quite a few Vietnamese refugees here in Charlotte. We have actually, North Carolina has like the largest population of Montagnard people, which is a refugee group from Vietnam, from the highlands of Vietnam, of anywhere else in the world other than Vietnam. And so I was really, it was more being interested in that international community. And then I Mm -hmm. reached out to, um, the uh, executive director at the time of Refugee Support Services, and she's just this amazing woman. And so she got me connected sort of with that community and it kind of has gone from there. I love that. Lovely. 
Uh, would you ever consider fostering? I would actually. I um, actually I got my license as a foster parent this year, and oh. so um, I've done so far just some respite care, um, which is basically being able to take care of children um, when they when the, their foster family needs to leave town or something like that and isn't able to take them. Um, and so, but I've been doing that specifically with the program that is for the unaccompanied minors from the border. Oh my gosh, my heart is feeling so good right now. You're such a wonderful person. I'm so glad you're in my orbit. It's just really lovely. Good. Well, um, Sarah, it's been so good to have you on this podcast. And I, I just wish you all the best. I want I want to do like a part two and you can tell me, you know, what's happened. <laughs> the relationship and everything else. Right, right. Put on the down low right. for now. Yeah. <laughs> but um, and I want to hear more about your work as a foster fostering and foster parenting and whatnot. So, but anyway, I look forward to hearing updates and we will go from there. Thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. This was great. It was so great to, to catch up with you. And um, I appreciate I'm flattered that you had me on. Thanks for listening to Love on the Go. I hope you join us on our next episode. You can make sure to know when it is by following us wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed it, it'd be great if you left us a review. I'd appreciate it. In the meantime, to learn more about me and how my team can help you, visit carolinasmatchmaker.com. Until next time.